Welcome to episode 427 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Team. Welcome along to episode 427 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am good, Bevan. You're really good, are you? Yeah, today, because today, Epic Camp starts. Oh, well done. You're going from, from Christchurch to Canada today. I'm biking to Whistler today. You're biking to Whistler. That's Christchurch a, oh, I'm going to Google map that. How long do you reckon that'll take you? Christchurch to Whistler. Christchurch to Whistler. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, so it, is a, it is a good day. Good day to be alive, Bevan. How long will you be training for today? We'll be kicking off with a swim in a 137-metre pool in uh, Vancouver, the Kitsilano Pool, I think it's called, 137 metres long. But the pool's 130 me- 137 metres long. Wow, that's a d- why? It's a long pool. <laughs> I don't know where they got 137 from, but it's 137. Uh, how many lanes? Do you know how many lanes it is? It's kind of like one of those beach pools, so it's kind of um, oh. sort of got, it's like an, it looks like a sort of overly type shape with a chopped off end. Uh, so I think it's got one lane right down the middle. So we're going to be taking that place over. And then I'll be biking to Whistler. And then uh, we're going to for a run before that, run around Stanley Park, bike to Whistler, which is, uh, it's only 117 k's. But it's got 2,500 metres of climbing in it, according to my GPS file. So that's going to take us some time. Well, Google won't even give me directions, John. <laughs> it's that far. <laughs> it's, it's saying, sorry, we cannot calculate directions from Hackthorn Road, Kashmir, to Whistler, Canada. <laughs> not going to happen. So even the swim, John, is not possible. So it's good times. Oh, there we go. What about if you tried the bike? No. Can't bike. Car, no. Bike. What about plane? If you went if you went today, no, it's not even getting the plane. Come on, Google Maps. You meant to the answer to everything. Okay, well, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Tell you what, you'd be caning that stuff in Canada. Well, it should be there waiting for us. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. You'll be killing that stuff as well, won't you? I will be indeed. Lactoring that buffer. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we have a bit of news. We've got an age group of the week. We're going to have a bit of a John's Epic Camp plan. Yes. And then I'm going to throw in some content. You are. And I'm not quite sure what that will be yet, because we've actually recorded this show a week ahead, just because John's away, um, and John's busy, so he said, Bevan, throw in some content. So I may even do a bit about my book, because my book may be out now. I'm I'm not sure if it's out yet, but um, if it is out, again, we've recorded this a week ahead, I'll do a bit on my book stuff. If not, I might just chuck in one of my fitness behaviours. So there we go. Um, First of all, news, John, and uh, the big piece of news is that Robbo might be off to Kona. He might be because he had a sensational race. Now, again, this news is going to be a week old because uh, we're recording uh, a week early. But he had a great race in Weisbaden in the European 70.3 champs. And so for those of you who don't know about Peter Robinson, he's a multiple short course world champion, absolute dynamite athlete. Um, but he you know, hasn't been doing anything for, for years in terms of anything significant that we've seen. When was, he, when was he last kind of... Extremely strong in short course. Well, he, he, 
Commonwealth Games, it was around about that sort of period, two Commonwealth Games ago, so eight years ago. Oh, really? So it's been a long time. Yeah, I don't think he did too much after that. And he won the Worlds in New Zealand, which was about 2001, maybe, something like that. Yep. So he's basically the same age as I, – I raced against him a couple of times as a junior. So same same age as me, um, 38 years old, and wanted to go to Kona as a pro and battled. You know, he had some, some up-and-down performances. He w- came off the bike in Ironman Cairns with uh, Cam Brown and um, Burkle and ended up finishing third there but got a bit drilled on the run. Uh, he also raced in Melbourne and I think he was sort of in the top 10 somewhere about that for, for Melbourne and he's had a few other 70.3s but he looks like he's back with, with a vengeance now. He um, was you know, there or thereabouts in the swim, um, got got hammered by Bart Arnott's on the bike but it rode similar to, to the other dudes um, racing there but then pulled out a 113 on the run for the fastest run spill of the day. So he's just he's moved up to 31 in the rankings but we know that there's only you know ten spots left because they've already had that first cutoff, so he, yep. he'll be battling for that that final ten spots. Um, when's when's the, do you know the date of the last cutoff? Oh, it's towards the end of the month. But the, we'll have the seventy point three worlds um, thrown into the mix there as well, and plus there are a couple more Ironmans. So it'll be interesting to see where he finishes and if he does make it. And if he does, I've got I've got no. <laughs> I certainly don't think he's going to win Kona, but he just add that little bit of extra mix in there and be a great talking point. You know, if he comes out with the the front guys in the swim, his swim is a little bit weak, and that's what might be his uh, his issue in Kona. You know, he might be more of a, you know, if he's like it does a Cam Brown, and he's he's off the front pack, then he's got problems. But if he gets out of the swim and is able to keep up for the first part of the bike, um, you know, who knows what that dude could do on the run because he's a small a small unit. So, so how is he successful well. in short course if he's not a great well, back then you did again. Swimming time. Has, has, has advanced on quite significantly, so he used to just make it yep. in the swim. So there'd be races where he wouldn't, and there'd be races where he would. He would, but the swimming has advanced even you know significantly over the last sort of five to six years. So if he was to go and do short course now, he would have uh, no chance in terms of the swim. His running would still be. Fine. Yeah, yep. would be fine, but uh, this, yeah, you've got to be well, a gun swimmer these so days. The, the, the question I have, and, and I'm sure you don't know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, is where did he disappear to? Because obviously he's, he's now having a shot at long course, and you're mm. saying that he was really peak, you know, probably eight years ago, or well, a well, while yeah. ago. You and can go and talk, talk to him in kind of even. Well, I will be. I'll, mm. go, I'll have a chat to him, but I, I wonder what happened in the interim. Because yeah. he obviously is still pretty sharp. So yeah. like, he's been doing, I'm trying to find his website, but... I've got his Twitter, but there's no obvious link to a website, so hmm. maybe, maybe someone could fill us in on that. Bit of character, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. But oh, I just remember watching that Commonwealth Games, and he had a really interesting strategy. Just try to break everyone. Sprint, yeah. slow down. Sprint, yeah. slow down. Oh, no, he was he an was interesting guy to watch. So, yeah, look out for his name potentially in Kona. We'll, we'll wait uh, and see if he does actually make it uh, inside the top 50. Okay, um, Jombo, I think one thing you haven't got in your show notes is Messick's um, comments on Pete Jacobs. That's because I didn't read them in detail and I thought, I want to be informed if I'm going to be... Well, I have been, John. Okay, so there's a couple of articles, really good articles on Slow Twitch at the moment. And yeah, it's really Andrew, good articles. Andrew Messick um, about the changes that we announced a few weeks ago around the pro... Um, prize purses changing some events going to age group only events and then um, yeah, as I believe Bevan's going to inform us that they made some comments there around uh, Pete Jacobs you know just ticking the box and also Marinda Carfrey's ticking the box requirement to be able to race for Kona. <laughs> well the interesting thing about the, the article was 
he's, he's been given a lot of slack around these comments and um and i know this is a week later for you guys so it's probably not that current but um the interesting thing about the article was he was basically questioning the professionalism of a guy like pete jacobs and he mentions a, a cyclist, I can't remember, I don't have the article in front of me, who did the tour of California often. Mm. And the guy who did the tour of California was never really in his peak, but always gave his all. And mm. and, and for Messick, that was kind of his point was that, you know, these guys are top pros and they should deliver. And and um, he was quite critical of Peter. He didn't actually name Peter, he just said a former world champion, so he didn't actually mm. name names. Um, but then he kind of complimented Miranda Caffrey at the same time, saying she turned up for whichever race she got. It was it Arizona, was Florida, or Florida or Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. And um, and although she wasn't peaked, she still tried. But then everyone's gone on the internet, and there's this photo of her carrying a bag of chips yeah. while she's racing. So, yeah. and some people have kind of critically said, "Well, it's it's interesting that you know Rinny is sponsored by one of the top." companies who sponsor Iron Man, so right. maybe he hasn't criticised her because of the affiliation to the sponsor, which is the chocolate milk. Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting that he would bother with that. Yeah, it's it's just business. It's business. Yeah, like that's the thing. It's like Pete Jacobs has just made a, a, a business decision, really, isn't he? As yeah. an athlete, he makes his career and he's gone, you know what? This is a wise decision for me to do this, and it's interesting that you know, as, as a sport who promotes himself as being quite rational all the time, mm. and always putting the rational answer forward, that it's unfair for them to, or, you know, that they look at other people unfair if they're not playing within certain rules. Mm. So, play by the rules. If you don't want them to play by those rules, you change your rules. Yeah, definitely. So it was probably not Pete. I mean, um, Andrew Mystic's sharpest moment. It was not. He's. I mean, I I think a lot of the changes they're making are, are really positive and things I agree with. Still, not enough money there. But um, I think most of the stuff they're doing at the moment is is heading in the right direction. The other the other thing he got slack for from the interview was he made a couple of comments and, and to be honest, I think maybe the slack he's got has been a bit a little bit unfair. He's he kind of says um, within it, you know, I'm not quite sure why someone like um, oh who's a really good friend to show off just talked to Leon Blake with Joycey, um, why Joycey would choose being an Ironman over being a lawyer. And I think what a lot of people who took that is is he kind of named a few people who are obviously quite academic and he could mm. have professional careers and much you know different lives and and um i think people a lot, a lot of people took those comments as he was thinking the mugs for not for you know for you know saying well you're an idiot for choosing to be an iron man pro when you could be a lawyer or you're an idiot you know and i'm not sure if that was the like there was one of those things where you could take it, it depends on how you take it because when i read mm. it i didn't think he was saying she's a mug it was more uh, how can I determine why people will make choices in their life? Mm. And I'm not sure why, you know, he's just kind of saying, I'm not sure why she chooses I'm an overlaw, but, she, you know. That's why podcasting and voice interviews are oh, they better, really are, aren't they? Than print. It's really funny with emails. Like often you'll get an email from someone and you just get the tone wrong and you mm. get quite upset and then you'll mm. ring them and it's like, oh, it's, it's nothing. And, mm. and often texts can lose that. And I definitely feel with the Pete Jacobs comment, he, he probably dropped the ball a little bit. Mm. And, uh, and, um, you know, probably unnecessary, but with the other comment around why people choose to do it, I'm, I think that was maybe taken out of context a little bit. Mm. So I definitely feel it's going to be really fascinating next year to see. Um, you know, you know, you know, we've talked about me and Kona this year trying to get an idea of what kind of money the pros are making, and it'll be interesting to see next year if you know the the top tier because it, it does reward the top tier of this new system mm. um, if they are making more money because of that. 
you know, or if it just ends up being the same, just with better racing. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting times. Coming up, John, we've got a few races. We have got a few races indeed. Uh, so there's quite a few races on k226.com. Love that website. If you ever want to find a non-WTC race, this is the place to check it out. So we've got the uh, the hard man. You'll be a hard man, Bevan. <laughs> Mate, it's destroying my life. It's all I've ever wanted to be. <laughs> Kalani in Ireland. Go to the hard man. The expedition man in Lake Tahoe and Reno on the 23rd. You've got Metaman, we'll talk a bit more about in a moment. You've got the My Titanium and also Challenge Penticton. So we are going to have our Legends of Triathlon podcast coming out sometime around now as well. And that's with Steve King, who's very much involved in all events uh, Canadian. So Challenge Penticton, it's a you know, formerly Ironman Canada, a brilliant, brilliant course and one of the very few still that is sort of a one-lap swim one lap bike one lap run so check that out but meta man I've, I've got to give them the plugs every year because i love what they do they've got uh, fantastic prize money oh, ridiculous um one hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars us up for grabs they offer thirty thousand us for first and it goes down to three thousand for sixth that is as good as it gets anywhere on the planet more or less you know there's a couple of events obviously but uh Still staggers me why you don't get more pros turning up. I understand that you know the Kona hopefuls. It's pretty close to Kona to be going and doing a, a hot weather race, but for your second tiers, man, I'd be all over it like a rash, like a dirty old rash. Yeah. <laughs> so on the girls' side of things, we have uh, Gina Crawford. She finished second last year. Caroline Stephen. You got Candice Hammond um, from New Zealand, and she Candice beat Gina this year yeah, in Challenge Wanaka. Wanaka. Uh, you got Dan, Diana Reiser from Germany. Michelle Gailey from Australia. Rebecca Hotchke. She's not a bad little athlete. And uh, Alice Hector, who I don't know. So last year we had Caroline Stephen take it out in nine thirteen from Gina and Candice Hammond with Belinda Granger there in fourth. And on the guys' side of things, last year we had Courtney Ogden take it out from Tim Burkle and Freda. Cronenberg. This year on the guys' side of things, you've got to think that uh, Cam Brown has got to be the raging hot favourite. Raging hot. Too, well, I'd say he's probably second raging hot favourite because we also have Jan Raphael, Ooh. who is a bit of a an axe um, in terms of he's, I'm pretty sure he's been sub eight, so he is no slouch. So it really just depends at this race, you know, how you handle the heat. Um, <clears throat> Cam Brown has had a fantastic year, you know, he's he won Cairns, he finished second in New Zealand he had a great domestic season in New Zealand at the 70.3 in Auckland and also Tauranga so he's you know whilst he's getting long in the tooth he's still you know, smoking it pretty well you've got Courtney Ogden in there who was a good consistent performer Frederick Cronenberg who won Challenge Atlantic City and uh, a few other dudes in there but I think it will mainly be a race between Jan Raphael Cam Brown possibly Courtney Ogden and possibly Frederick Cronenberg so uh, should be good times nice work on Metaman for stumping up some fantastic prize money also got a half on there if you're ever interested in going and racing over there it'd be fantastic prep for you know any later season races whether it be Kona or, or something else um, but they have a full distance and a half distance so check it out at metamanbintan.com which is just off uh, near Singapore and we also have um, Challenge Penticton. We do so as we said um, Steve King is uh, is on Legends this month and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the event unfolds this year. You know, it changed to a challenge last year and they had um, less participants, obviously, because of the lure of, of Ironman. Um, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how that event unfolds over the next few years when you've got Whistler. You've also got uh, the new event that we announced, I think it was last week or the week before, in uh, Muskoka. Um, my 
Canadian geography's hope woeful, so I don't actually know how far away they are from Penticton. But more and more events going on, it's going to create a bit of a squeeze. You know, there's more events popping up in the states, which is probably a big part of their market. But it really is one of those classic races, and it's um, it's one that I would love to go and do one day. Um, sounds like a fantastic part of the world. John, while you've been talking about these races, I just thought to myself, whatever happened to Kieran Doe? Yeah. And uh, and so I've been searching on the net. Do you know what happened to Kieran Doe? What? He's become a property developer, and he looks nothing like he used to look like. Kieran Doe. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> there you go. He's got the business suit on. He's, he's lost his dreadlocks. Yeah. He's got the short, sharp hair. Wow, oh, nice. there, there you go. That's what happened to Kieran Doe. Also coming up this weekend, uh, we've got Ironmans in Copenhagen, uh, Japan, and Louisville. Oh yeah, I'm just still looking at Kieran Doe. Yeah. Um, Kieran Doe, um, wait a second, where are we? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, that's good. We also last week we <laughs> talked about Iron Man. Did you read this piece? I, I skim read it. The Iron Man. You really finances. read the pieces. That takes I'm, two minutes. I'm, I'm on pretty limited time at the moment trying to get ready for Canada. Well, I'm actually in Canada, so. Okay, so why read the piece, John? Do you want me to give? Even, uh, I, 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 I read it. Skim read. Skim skim read it. But on slow twitch again, they've got a few great articles up there, and it's um, I think this one's by Dan Enfield, and it's really talking, trying to explain a bit more about Iron Man's recapitalization in terms of the, the I think it was a $220 loan that they took out. So it just took $220. It's a pretty small loan. Yeah, <laughs> quarter of an entry fee, $220 million. <laughs> So, Bevan, you can explain it. Well, I think there's, there's a few things that come through, and, and I think one of the things is, is that um, they never actually took a loan to borrow to buy the company when they bought it originally. And he, he does it's a really great interview um, article, actually. And I won't go into too much detail. You better have to go and read it. A few things he was saying was when um, Ben Fuhrer, is it Ben Fuhrer? Ben Fuhrer, yeah. yeah. When he came on, basically, they never really were that profitable before he came on. And, it was a small business. Yeah, it was a very small business, and it was a licensing system. And because it was a licensing system, they didn't actually take much of the profit from the races You're sitting there just going yep you do <laughs> yeah no risk but no profit hmm. and uh and, and it's interesting because i'm pretty sure that's what the challenge has right now hmm. so you know you kind of think world challenge is a good competition to iron man at the same time if they've got a licensing idea and if it is based on this old way they're probably hmm. not making a huge amount of profit hmm. and as iron man has gone to this new system which obviously returns a lot better profit but a massive amount more work yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, sorry, <laughs> you make it a massive amount more profit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what he, the, what he's saying, Dan was saying in this interview was that, um, or in this piece was that they never actually took a loan out when they bought the company, and mm-hmm. so in some ways you can argue that by taking this loan out now it would be the equivalent of getting a loan mm-hmm. when you buy a company, which a lot of people do anyway. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of details. He, he's kind of saying at the end of the day, it's hard to know. If it's been where they are is, is a good place or not, and um, he, you know, it's a bit, you know, he's kind of got. Will they end up selling it for a dollar and then just selling the debt as well? Mm-hmm. He thinks that it probably will be sold in the next eighteen months to two years. Like if, he talks about the difference between a VC, which is venture capital, between a PE company and a venture capital is very much going early. PE is is a, kind of the second step along the stage. That's a common theme we see that that, that this provincial providence equity or whatever they call the owns Iron Man does seem to have held on to the company for longer than what yeah. is, is the norm. Yeah, and so um, and so he's kind of saying there's two kind of things that could happen is it's either they'll either sell it with the debt and not make much money or they'll, they'll sell it at, you know, for a lot more than what they've paid plus on top of that. And uh, and he kind of feels it's probably that way but it's hard to know at the stage because it's not really public the information. But it's a very good piece and it really does show some good insight into What's happening? So I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. John, but I will say, while I was on Slow Twitch, 
I clicked on an ad for Oakley glasses, mm-hmm. and I have to say, they're selling the old school glasses. Mm-hmm. Look at those. Remember those? Oh, those are Molina glasses. The eye shade. Yeah. They were gold, weren't they? Remember you can that? buy them. They cost you 350 bucks. Nice. But if you want to go old school. Oh, it's funny. The, we went. Uh, there's, a, there's a cover with him and his brothers, and he's wearing them. He's we got went, his top off. We went skiing with my brother came down skiing with his family and he found a pair of his old Oakley glasses oh, really? in, uh, in Christchurch and his kids were wearing it and they thought they were fantastic. Oh, they are. This yeah. retro is in. Yeah. Retro is cool. Okay, then. Um, Sponsor. Okay, John. Bevan, what I love about coffees of Hawaii. What do you love about them, John? A is a coffee. Yeah, you were cranking out the coffee here the other day. Yeah. Also, their packaging is fantastic. Yeah. So when I was came on to coffees of Hawaii the other day, I put, um, just pulled up and they have the... I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Apologise to all Hawaiians and Albert and your, and your business there. The Kaualoa. And it's just a beautiful packaging, nice brown label. they got those sort of postage stamps on the front. Love it. Yeah. So not only can you have nice coffee with a nice aroma around the house, you sort of position them nicely in your kitchen. If well, you, you actually in. can because most of your products you're hidden away, but coffee's mm. away. You can have it by your, your percolator. Exactly. So this is a 100% Kaul. Coffee is a full city roast, dark, but not too dark, yielding a rich, nutty aroma with a full flavour. Hints of chocolate, raspberry, and dark cherry round out the cup. So it's got a five-star customer review rating. Got to be, be good, John. So good, do a tour of the islands. We've got Hilo Coffee, they've got the Kaua Coffee, the Kauai Coffee, the Kona, Maui, Molokai, Ohau, Chrissy Coffee, Limited Edition Coffee, Island Blends, Decaf, Got it all. We've got Tell you what, if you like coffee, you know where you need to be going, don't you? Exactly. The coffees of Hawaii, Bevan. Coffees of Hawaii. Via, via imtalk.me and you can get all the, pick up all the promo codes uh, there and get yourself a good deal, get yourself some tasty coffee, get yourself some good-looking packaging. And for those of you going to Hawaii real soon, mm-hmm. it's that time of year where you get to swim out to the boat. Mm. It was funny, we've just done, um, we're just done Legends of a Triathlon interview, which will be coming out next week with a guy called Steve King, who was the voice of triathlon in Canada for years and years, and still is today. And um, he was talking about the first year, or was it the second year they had Ironman Canada, and at this stage it wasn't even an Ironman official race, it was just an event they put on in Penticton, and it was so cold that they had ace stations on the swim. Yeah, well, they, they, so it sounds <laughs> like they've got those little... Um, pontoons and they were serving up uh, hot chocolates and soup and stuff on there to keep people warm. That is gold. Because we've got to remember back then probably didn't have wetsuits and if they did have wetsuits they would have been really crap. Yeah. So God. Yeah that's that's funny. Um, okay Jombo's discussion of the week. So discussion of the week last week we had an email from Jen and she was just asking about nutrition advice and uh, she was actually just wanting a nutritionist she could work with. She, she struggles with her nutrition and on the race and she wants to you know, achieve some nutrition goals. And so she just asked if we had any dietitians that we follow or that you have worked with in the past that you would recommend. Let us know who you think would be the best person. So all of these are listed on our Facebook page. So you can go and check them out if you want. If we're not going to cover every single one of them. Um, Chrissy McKinlay saw her at the pool this morning. Um, oh, she wasn't actually in the pool in Canada. She was in the pool in Christchurch about a week Did ago. she swim over to Canada as well? Yeah, she did. Wow, you're a legend, Chrissy. That's a long, I, saw that's, her, I saw her in Brent at the cafe the other day. It's a long swim, Christchurch to uh, Vancouver. How long do you reckon that'd take? It's a 30-hour flight. <laughs> that'd be years. I'd be interested to see somebody... I wonder what the longest swim someone's ever done. Yeah, I'm going to research oh, there you that. you go, Bevan. But Chrissy says, uh, Vinny Tortorich, a.k.a. America's Angriest Trainer, has a podcast. Um, but yeah, I know other people who listen to it and they think it's great. But his basic tenet is no sugar, no grains, some good advice from Dr. Tamsin Lewis on Endurance Planet 2. 
aimed specifically at women. Oh, and Mickey and Bevan from fitter.co.nz have got Fitter Radio. Yep, they've got a podcast too, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Tony Buckingham mentions uh, Celine Evans, Nutrition 360, but John not, uh, but John would likely get her confused and think it's Natalie Gaskin. So, so uh, that's Tony's wife, Celine, who I do get confused with Natalie Gaskin from time to time. Yep. But uh, Celine Evans, Nutrition 360. There we go. Um, next up, we've got Scott Connolly. He's got I Agree With Mickey. She has written um, me a nice eating plan. Who's Mickey? Where did Mickey go? She lived She's down. with um, Bevan McKinnon. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> she has written me it must be the other girl oh okay yeah yeah uh, well priced and good amount of information in there including a shopping list meal plan and some training for specific advice Bradley Odom uh, Bob Seabar we've had on the show and his crew of uh, Diana Houghton Griffin and a few other people have also said Ben Greenfield who does podcasts as well yep Colin Fraser's got Sally Ping Pinga maybe at Fit Naturally provides a balanced diet of food tailored to your training you and you can achieve fantastic results. I lost nearly two stone in four months and maintained a healthy training plan with no extra loss of energy and no supplements. Mike Threadgold says Jennifer Lensk, um, who we've met over in Kona um, and from Toro Performance Nutrition. So check her out. I think uh, they're based in, I'm pretty sure, Austin, Texas. How does his name? Powell? Powell. How's her last name? Chalices. Chalices. Okay, he's a technical leader uh, at fatso.co.nz. That's right. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's actually, isn't it a video? I've got no idea. I'm pretty sure fatso is, is like um, a Netflix. Right. Yeah. Um, unless you have real digestive problems, I don't think that you need any digestion whatsoever. After all, it's about your body and how it reacts to the food you prepare. That being said, there is a lot of contradictory information around the internet and it's quite difficult to figure out what's the best. On one hand, you have lots of people saying things like about low carb, high fat and how helpful it was in achieving their goal. On the other hand, majority of athletes from bodybuilders to endurance athletes uh, in fact on the medium to high carb. Even if you check nutrition plan calculators, you'll find that the so-called low carb will still give fat carbs protein ratios around 35, 25 and 40%. Perhaps you could poke around at Kona and ask people around their daily calorie intake and micronutrient compositions to see what Kona levels people are actually doing. Um, Anthony Mulholland, Barry Murphy, a.k.a. Optimum Nutrition for Sport, has some very interesting stuff out there. We've got Rasmus uh, Sevens-Stelhead. Um, I really like Dr. Douglas N. Graham that was on the show a couple episodes ago. Nice. So there's a few, a few other in there. Um, we've also you know, got a, a, quite, quite a few people mentioning uh, people we've had on the show. So, yeah, I was just trying to share a little bit of love, get some things out there. But I think... Um, Pavel's got some valid points there. There's um, yes, there's no right answer. And in my personal opinion, as things change as you get older, I'm finding it a lot harder to lose weight than uh, than than I used to. Um, and, and, uh, you walk in, I'm like seriously, get an extra cheer. You go, hey, go hang out at fatso.co.nz. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to check it out. It's yeah, it it's it, it's a tricky one. And we've been tr- what I've been trying to do on the podcast is get different opinions. Try different things. Find out what works for you. There is no right one right answer, and I find it very difficult from a coaching perspective when athletes say to me, "Right, what should I do for my race plan and nutrition?" It's like, well, this sort of works for most people. You can try this, you can try that. It's there's, there's no one right answer, and I think anybody that says that there is is um, a little bit um, well. Everybody's entitled to the opinion. Most people are very passionate and, and single focus and go, "This is the only way of doing it." Um, but I think there's many ways to. 
figure out the, the beasts of nutrition, but I think biggest thing it boils down to in terms of your race nutrition is you just got to keep practicing 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 do some half Ironman races practice there and day-to-day nutrition um just eat naturally yeah it's it's a big area <laughs> the, the thing is I, I always think never trust a person who's 100 percent certain <laughs> you know what i mean because the thing is like what we knew 10 years ago there would have been someone who was 100 percent certain that was perfect mm. and as all these things, it's such an evolution of our understanding of how these things work and it's, you know, all of us are different and I do think ultimately the aim of every person is to figure out how their body works. In some ways that will be, you know, the low fat, I mean, low carb diet and other mm. people will be, you know, different types of diets and ultimately you want to get to a place where you know how your body works and working with a nutritionist that can obviously help mm-hmm. and um, and getting good ones probably really great. And my, but it is a journey. And I think, be careful about taking advice from pros because they work at a yeah. totally different uh, stratosphere to what we do. They're training massively more hours. Most of them have got a different internal combustion system to us and they can get away with things that uh, some well, of funny, us you know, like older I, I, ones can't. I do a bit of public speaking and I'm doing a talk tomorrow and, and one thing I feel very lucky around in what I've done with my life is that I've spent a, a period of my life trying to be the best athlete I could be mm. but I've also spent a lot of my life dealing with everyday people trying to help them love fitness mm. and when you talk to people who have been highly motivated people who have been successful with exercise what they offer to people who haven't been successful with exercise is the total wrong message yeah. like it, it never really helps them mm. and and so it's a real example of just because you're really great at something doesn't mean that the advice you give to others will help other people mm. and you do see that you know like I see a lot of people who are really great at fitness and they come and try to help other people with fitness and they actually push people away mm. and the needs of the newer person to exercise is totally different and it's you know like I feel fortunate that I've had this experience of both because I feel you know I, in some ways I have an advantage that I can sh- you know shift depending on the needs of the client but um and that's a real example of that. And, and it is the same with nutrition. Like, you know, an, an athlete who's a pro athlete, they've, A, they've exercised forever, but B, the amount of mm. energy they put out and, and, you know, and their body is race prepared and, you know, yeah. it's, it's all those little things. And so definitely it's your own journey and the more you can figure out how your body works, the, the better for you in the long term. I, I find it funny watching Mac. I, I'm not really a, a Twitter person much myself, but when yep. I go on there to post something, one of the people I follow is Mac and you see this stuff. Man, I've got to sit at the bloody office all day today. And how the hell are you supposed to do all this? And you're yeah. just going, man, welcome to the real world. Yeah, and he, yeah. he 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 understands it now. But I think pro athletes just yeah, it's a different world out there. Did Kieran Doe win a world championship? I th- he he got a medal somewhere. I think like an age group long one? long course. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he might have won an age group one. Okay, mm. he's calling because himself it, a world champion. Well, it's just saying you're world champion. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he did win a, an age group world championship early on. As a world champion triathlete, having achieved critical acclaim for winning the 25th Canadian Ironman in a stunning time. Oh, yeah. He won Ironman Canada once. Yeah, but it's not a world champion. No, it's not. No. He was a good athlete. Oh, yeah, totally. Far out. Yeah. Amazing biker. Mm. And swimmer. Yeah. He was good across the board. Just string it all together and he was on fire. Okay. Um, let's, let's do some other nutrition topics, shall we? Let's talk about <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> What do you so, want to talk about? So we've got Michael who did Ironman Frankfurt and he had some food issues. So oh, This is interesting. We didn't hear back from him. Yeah, so his question was, um, he struggled with you know your standard sports nutrition products. So again, this is more of a sharing topic for you guys out there that don't use you know your standard sports nutrition for racing. 
what do you use? Again, it's just a bit of knowledge knowledge sharing. Um, he did Ironman Brazil and did Ironman Louisville. So, and, like for uh, you, for example, you 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 often used to put like a sandwich or something in your yeah, bag, didn't you? I I, I don't. I, I but the only I mean I use M's bars. Um, didn't you used to put rice. a sandwich in? Uh, no, but some people do. I used to sometimes put, pota- I put potato chips in. I used to use creamed rice. Um, so if you don't use the standard sports nutrition, what has worked for you in the past? Um, you know, like, I know Axel, he started making up his own gels and things like that. Um, so he's just looking for some ideas on non, non-sports non nutrition products that work for people out there. Yeah, but there's a couple of interesting other things that came through with Michael's email. He sent us an email about general things and that question came through. So this week's discussion of the week is what other foods do you use when you're actually out there racing? But he sent a couple of things. And first of all, I didn't realise Frankfurt was a 15-hour cutoff. No, nor did I. Yeah, so he's saying he just got in the cutoff in a time of 14 hours and 56 and 30 seconds uh, when he did Frankfurt. And so I didn't realise they had a shorter cutoff there, maybe because it's a domestic in, the, in a big nice. city. But the other thing he said, and, and we asked him to respond, and, and so maybe if you know if this is true or not. This isn't true, I'm sure. Yeah, surely not. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to put it out there. He um, he had to go get an IV, and he, he was – uh, told that he would be charged for it by on a club ride by some friends. Yeah, highly unlikely. But if it is true, can someone let us know? So he got an IV, and then his friends, when he was out training, said that he would be receiving an invoice for for that IV. I would be extraordinarily surprised if yeah. that was the case. But if it is true, can someone let us know? So that's all we want to know. So this week's discussion is: What other foods are you using? Okay, uh, I'm going to put some music on, John. Age group of the week. I didn't point the finger. Didn't. You, you responded well. Oh, thank You're you. sharp. There's no denying it. Okay, we've got an email through from Joe the Baxis. Joe the Baxis? Yeah, well, the stalker, she's called the stalker, mm. but we had a stalker, so we've called her the goss, haven't we? We have. Joe so. the, the stalker goss. She's great. She sends her an email every week oh, now she's with fantastic. just some, uh, some inside goss on what's going on around the world. Some really good insight. Okay, I'd like to nominate my friend, Adrian O'Brien. My virtual friend. My virtual friend, sorry. Um, Adrian is a friend of mine via the Maca X training group. He was one of the first to sign up being a huge Maca fan. Imagine his delight when he got to go to the training camp and Jensen Button triathlete... Um, triathlon a couple weeks ago he was over the moon Adrian like many age groupers is time poor he has a couple of kids and a less than glamorous job taking care of the criminal element of Merseyside in the UK he works shifts so he can often be found on a trainer in a holding cell or out in a run at 3am it's going to test your nasal powers probably there's probably some pretty smelly stuff going on in a holding cell you like as in smelly farts Maybe some other things going on. Oh, you, you, oh, really? Oh, a holding cell. You have people chundering and oh, comatose yeah. in there. I would imagine. Not that I've ever been there. Oh, Emily, I, I was once in a holding yeah. cell. Yeah, I got done drunk driving when I was a young man, and uh, I know I was an idiot. Yeah, but it was a bit weird. Um, he will cycle and run in all weathers, bringing. We bring on the hail and sleep. Adrian is renowned uh, in the group for his ironing skills rather than his Ironman status. <laughs> this year, his goal was Ironman Wales. On Thursday, the 17th of July, he found out he had won a competition on Facebook to race Ironman UK. That's right, in 72 hours' time. Whoa. Crazy. Wowza. That is pretty crazy. That's a short taper. That is, that is not enough time to cram in that, that training and no time to think. He signed up. 
Number 46, he was in. He turned up on the day and after driving a fair distance to the race and carboloading with a cold stellar the night before, Adrian did a great time of 13 hours and 23 minutes and even got a tap on the shoulder from Tazan Lewis on the run. Now that seven weeks into Ironman males, he is always uh, the first to motivate and congratulate anyone on their performance time and return the love. So he is our retreat. Jumbo, if you found out tomorrow... That you were racing, you could do Ironman New Zealand mm. this weekend. So it's got. I mean, he's training well, so he's got to. You would think have a reasonable level of fitness. But, yeah. but, but let's say that similar to me, you know, it's um whatever eight weeks out from from uh, Kona. Not that I would do an Ironman, but if someone said today you've won, you, you're racing Pentaxon. this weekend, and uh, yeah, be like, holy shit! What I, I do? I, I, would you do it? Well, I wouldn't this year, but you know, if I was in. Different, yeah, you know, it's a little bit different for me, but if, for other people, it'd be, yeah, I think my thought processing would be right. Uh, time to rest up a little bit, do some easy training, 72 hours is nothing. My nutrition sorted out for the next few days, and then do a bit of research on the course and figure all through. It'd be quite, uh, yes, yeah, it'd be a nice training. What, day. what I'm finding amazing is that they're giving away a race entry this yeah. close to a race. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't really cost them. I mean, the cost of I know, one extra do it two weeks before, okay. you know, give, give a bit of time. Months before. <laughs> It's a bit weird, but um, but good on him for taking on the challenge. And it's a quirky little angle. I mean, we're talking about it here, giving uh, Ironman UK a little bit of love, yeah. and I'm sure that, that get, it's a good angle if you wanted to try to get uh, a press release out there, some media stuff. But, I mean, how many people are going to be like Adrian O'Brien and actually go, yeah, we'll do that? Well, that's the thing. Often, it's like a lot of free entries. They never get used, do they? You mm. know, like it's often. But good on them. That's pretty cool. I wonder, what, what do you do? 13, 23. 13, 23. He's got Ironman Wales coming up, which is uh, the next few weeks' time. So nice work, Adrian. And we also love the Maca X Training network and, uh, and the fact that... Um, They've got a great little community, haven't they? You've got this you know, virtual community going on. And um, I don't know whether Joe's ever met Adrian, but you know they're connected via the virtual network. Well, they've met John, which mm. is not touching. mm it's nice. It's not even good at the touching. No, let's not go there. Jonbo. So Adrian. O'Brien. O'Brien, you are our age group of the week. week. That's an honour, man. How many people, be, only four or five hundred people in this world have been age group of the week. And we need a few more because I think I'm all out again. Oh, shut up, people. There's a crap load of racing going on at the moment. Remember the old days we used to just pick people? Yeah. We have to go back to that. Yeah. So kind of find a result. Yeah. Sponsor John. Athlinks.com. Yes. Actually, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to go to uh, Extreme Endurance because next part of the show it leads is, in well, doesn't is it? Going into Epic Camp. So, just going to talk about Extreme Endurance, the, the good old regular product. We often go on about some of their peripheral products now, but we'll get back to the basics. Your Extreme Endurance, forty-two bucks to forty-four bucks uh, US, depending on whether you get recurring delivery or not. Speeds up your recovery, improves aerobic threshold training by double digits, benefits within seventy-two hours, reduces muscle. John, source. I have to be Rude. I'm going to the toilet. I'm really busting. Well, Adrian could have used this. Oh, tell me about it. Because <laughs> he he had 72 hours to get ready for his race. If he'd just gone right, what's one thing that can make a difference between now and race day? Uh, it's going to be. <laughs> oh, I was trying to hold him here. I was trying to hold him shot. here. Ah, oh, goodness, week. So. It keeps benefits within 72 hours, and I've definitely found that myself. If I've uh, been building up for, you know, either a big weekend training and I haven't been on it for a while, and I just take that, it makes a big difference. Massively reduces your muscle soreness, and uh, one of the key things as well is it is certified as being drug free. So you can take it with the assurance that if you 
do get drug tested, um, this product has been tested and uh, is safe to use. So I'm going to be using uh, Through the Camp, which effectively starts today as of this podcast. Um, as I go through the camp, I'll be using Extreme Endurance um, twice a day, three tablets morning and evening. I'll be using my uh, Immune Boost um, to try to Make sure you stay nice and healthy as you go through epic camps. You know, your immune system does take a bit of a pounding. I'll be taking in my um, execute to try to sort of keep um, my electrolyte levels up as high as I can. And then I will be taking the execute to aid my muscle recovery. So I'm going to be taking the full Monty. Full Monty? Mm. I'm assuming you've just talked about how great X Endurance is. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I'm a mind reader. Yeah, so check it out, xendurance.com. Um, and Kiwis and Aussies, I will have all the stock and supply. Even when I'm away, my little assistant, Belinda, will be taking care of all the orders. Your so, little assistant, yeah. is, that, is that what she is now? Yeah. So <laughs> Not my loving wife. No, she will take care of you guys. My little assistant. You should get her a badge. I dare you to get her a badge. I dare oh, you yeah. just go home and say, hey, here's your badge. Print out one. John's got, assistant. I'll laminate it. We've got, we've got our running business and, and, and our running business is very much our business you know and to be honest Joe works on the business way more than I do mm-hmm. and one of our runners often goes to, my, to Joe how's the boss treating you? Yeah <laughs> Joe doesn't like that right. at all Yeah <laughs> It does not go down well <laughs> She just plays it down but you know Okay, John, but you're heading off. You're in Whistler right now. Uh, we're, we're heading to Whistler today. So I was just going to give a quick rundown on the camp. We're going to try really, really hard. Well, I'm going to try hard to keep... Uh, He's going to do interviews every day, aren't you? No, I'm not going to guarantee that. But I will be putting up my blog every day that I have an internet connection. Some days that may just be what we did, and then I'll be coming back and writing some comments. But So you'll be able to see the progress that we're making in terms of my power files, my running pace files, my swim files. So I'll be making sure that I get them up every day, and I'll have pre written up what my objectives for that day were and then I'll be trying to write um, do you know what you could do John what I know you won't but I think this is a brilliant idea you should have the call recorder on you when you're training and then when you get just talking to it at really tough moments Mm. and you know like Um, yeah I was was planning on potentially carrying that with me so you actually have it with you Mm. and then like when you're absolutely dying pull it out and just say oh my god I'm you know we've done this done it I'll give it a go I I guarantee you know how many minutes we'll get yeah, zero. <laughs> but, no, no, but, I was planning on doing that because I was thinking it's going to be pretty tough for me to sit around and do interviews. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about doing random stuff there, or I could alternatively give da- give it to Dave from time to time as well to to, to grab people at yeah. those special moments. Yeah, exactly. Get it, get it raw. Get raw. So if you go to epiccamp.com, we will have a live from Canada page, uh, and I've got already on there the, the sort of the route, just a, a JPEG image of the route we're taking. And as my daily daily entries go up, you will be able to see obviously the exact route we're taking. So where we kick off is in Vancouver on Tuesday, the nineteenth of August, the day the show comes out. And day one, we bike up to Whistler, as well as having a swim and a run before we go. And then there'll be tack-ons aplenty at the afternoon to see who can get themselves in into yellow because it could be quite close on day one. Oh really? We'll have a we'll have a swim race in the morning, which I'm not trying to talk myself up, I'd say I'm probably the strongest swimmer on the camp. And so I'm effectively probably going to be in yellow. Oh, you just set the camp up so you win. Unless people Again. Unless people go crazy on have day one. The, have you won the yellow jersey no, ever? No, no. Never. No. So it will be interesting to see what tactics people bring to day one. But it's, it looks like a pretty tough uh, bike ride whilst not too long. Uh, so that's day one. We head up to Whistler. Day two, we head from Whistler to Lillooet. And on that day, we have what looks to be the toughest climb of the camp um, from Pemberton. It looks like a wall we're about to ride up. So looking forward to to that and then we hit stay so we stay the night in Lillooet and then we go Lillooet to a tiny little town called Clinton 
and we stay there for two nights. So we're still in uh, British Columbia, and we are literally in the middle of nowhere. This town looks minuscule. There's no shops or anything like that. Oh, we cool. just stay at a, really in the in the sticks. So may not be any updates on that that day. I'm not sure what the internet will be. Then we head from Clinton to Clearwater, um, at Clearwater up to Blue River, which is a sort of a ski resort area, and then we make our way from Blue River across to Jasper. I think that day is a 210k day on the bike with uh, quite a lot of climbing, so that could be a pretty epic one. Jasper just looks sensational, you know, real sort of really? uh, mountainous area, just looks brilliant. So really looking forward to there. We have two days in Jasper, and that's one of the real hot spots for their national parks over there. And then we head start to make our way down the uh, Icefields Parkway, which everybody says is going to be a massive highlight of the camp. So we head from Jasper down to Sunwapta Falls, and this is day nine, so we're a long way into the camp. Then Sunwapta to Lake Louise, where there's probably going to be a bit of a challenge to see if anybody can actually get in the lake. It's one of those glacial-fed lakes that looks like it's probably about zero degrees year-round. Um, so I'm sure some idiot on the camp will take up the challenge to see if they can get a swim in there. Yep. We may make it like if you can last a 10 minutes, we'll give you a point or something like that. Have another day in Lake Louise, and then our final day we head from, which is day 12, Saturday the 30th of August, we head from Lake Louise to Calgary, which is uh, 210 kilometres on the final day. And my plan on that day is just to absolutely drill it on the bike. Just really finish it off strong. It's basically a net downhill. I think we we lose you know a reasonable amount of uh, elevation throughout the day. So it's a, probably a bit like riding across the Canterbury Plains in Christchurch. You know, you're just gently going downhill, lots of straight lines, and just planning on uh, spanking it silly. Okay, good times. So I'll be swimming and running every day as well as wherever possible. But a lot of these places, I think we've only got two places where we can actually pool swim. The rest of the time, we'll be doing some fantastic lake swims up there. Uh, cranking our nice long run in Jasper. Got to run with little bells. We're going to have little bells we have to Why? attach to us to, to make sure the bears can hear us coming. Real issue. But surely if the bears hear you coming, they go, oh, there's lunch. Well, yeah, possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's how they get rid of the tourists. You know, if you're running along, you're not chatting. If there's only, you know, I think you're supposed to be in groups of four, but, you know, you can be pretty quiet when you're on trails, and if a bear doesn't sort of, isn't too onto it, so what, so, you, so have, the bells have scare these, have the these bear? these little bells. No, it's more to make awareness so there's a little bit of noise coming so they don't get um, don't get a fright or anything like that. So I'm a little concerned about some of yeah, the wildlife I, I over there. Admit, I would be slightly concerned about that. People go walking there all the time, but we, we will be running in groups and we will have uh, bear bells. Well, okay, well, okay, okay, okay. You're running along, ting, 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 a bear comes in front of you. What do you do? Make yourself big. Really? See, my Mexican wave practice yeah. comes off. Really, you make yourself big. Mm. Do you have to keep still? I'm actually going to make sure I do some more research on my beer, beer techniques before I get over there. I do think it's probably worth doing a bit of research on yeah, the beer yeah, techniques. Yeah, no, it is. That's on my to-do list uh, this week, well, before today. So don't no, die by a beer. I'm not going. You've always telling to. me I'm going to get cancer and die because I eat funny foods. Mm. If you die by a beer. Oh, I'll be gutted. I know. What am I'll I, be gutted. How, how can I keep the show going? Yeah. <laughs> you'll, be, you, you'll be gutted as well. Yeah. <laughs> May literally be gutted. You reckon you could outrun a beer? No, apparently I think they're really fast. Okay, how fast does a beer go? Let's go. Yeah. How fast does a... So, yeah, so we're going to keep epiccamp.com updated on a daily basis. We also have uh, Fegan is going to be blogging on the camp um, from what an email said. We've also got another guy, Gary... Um, Gareth Scobie, I think, is going to be blogging. So we'll be trying to get athletes to be contributing. Melina will be blogging as well. Um, so as I said, I'll be getting all my files up there as regularly as I can. But some of these places... 
doesn't look like the internet connection's too strong, but uh, I'll be doing my darndest to get it up there, Bevan. How fast can they run? John, you're screwed. Make yourself yeah. big. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 60Ks an hour. Yeah. Up to 60Ks an hour. And uh, beers can run more than 60 kilometres an hour, they, and they can do it uphills, downhills, or along a slope. To put that in perspective, that's 15 metres per second or 50 feet per second more than twice as fast as we can run in fact the beer can outrun a racehorse over a short distance but has little endurance so you're lucky you're an endurance athlete but you've got, you've got 10 seconds to get away basically I know what, what are you looking at now uh, I'm looking at uh, what is it wiki, wikihow.com how to escape from a beer okay here we go how do you avoid, avoid close encounters okay well that's first of all so carrying yeah. bells helps yeah and then keep your distance you're hardly going to walk up to a beer. This website's crap. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And it's got a picture there of making yourself look big. Stand tall even if the beer charges you. If the beer sees really, you. Really, really. Wow. If Imagine the beer that moment. sees you and is closer than 300 feet or the beer is approaching you, remain calm and try to look as large as possible. Remain calm. <laughs> Stand your ground and do not try, try not to look frightened. And okay. Do you make noise? Try to back away slowly. Do not run and speak softly. If the bear continues to approach you, back away, stop and stand your ground. Speak more loudly in a deep, calm voice and wave your arms to make yourself look bigger. I'm getting Keep nervous an eye thinking on the bear, about this, John. But avoid eye contact. This can be interpreted as a challenge by the bear. Do not be aggressive. Or do, yeah, do not be aggressive. Do not crouch down, play dead or otherwise show fear or vulnerability. Okay, show me your bear voice. <laughs> no, that's aggressive. You're dead. Oh, yeah, You're gone. Dead. Damn it. I'll just use that. Straight. Damn stuff. If the beer charges you, muster all your courage and stay where you are. The charge is most likely a bluff. Man, that is that is a hard bluff to pull. Tell you what, and if you stand you your ground, you've just pooed your pants big time. If you stand your ground, the beer will turn away. God, that I, takes some. I'd courage. love to see a video of that. Yeah. Oh man. Know your beer. It's got the different beers: the polar <laughs> beers, the brown beer, the black beer. John, earlier on the show, I asked what's the, what's the longest ever swim? Mm-hmm. Longest ever distance for a swim without flippers in open sea is 225 kilometres. Is what, sorry? 225 kilometres. Long way. Uh, from the Atlantic, uh, no. It took him 50 hours. And it was done by GPS. Nice. Respond appropriately based on the situation. If a grizzly or polar bear makes a non predatory attack, play dead. Oh, they told me to stand still. Stand, stand. <sighs> and you growled. You're gone, mate. You're way gone. Yeah. The only thing you might have in your favour is you're a lean machine. Climb a tree. Consider, Wait, a climb a tree with a beer? Consider last minute escape techniques. <laughs> climb a tree under the, only the right circumstances. And wouldn't a beer climb a tree? Black bears are adapt climbers. So climbing a tree will do no good with one of them. <laughs> Grizzlies too can climb a tree. Oh, What is this? Wiki how? So your thought process is... Stay relaxed. <laughs> On this website, it's got lots of ads. Learn hypnotherapy. <laughs> Come over here, Bear. <laughs> Grab your watch. Yeah. Damn okay. GPS. <laughs> here we go. Well, there you go. There's John. If John doesn't make it back because he's been eaten by a bear, it's been nice knowing you. It's been so. a great show. Yeah. I'll continue on. I'll get, I'll get someone else to join me. Yeah. Okay. Sponsor. Sponsor. So this weekend, uh, we have coming up Challenge Penticton. And last year... We had Jeff Simons take out the race in 8.29.37. But we want to see who the Athletics finishers are. And I know a couple of these people are listeners to the show. I don't know all of them, but Chris Bagg was the first Athletics finisher in seventh place in 9.14. Solid. 
Dylan Gleeson was an ex-athletics finisher in 11th place. And Jeremy Hopwood, I know he's a listener to the show, he was in 13th place. Really? It's a nice work. Well, that's really good. Yeah, and he did uh, 9.45. Got to say. Oh, my phone's ringing, John. Oh, you goodness. talk. Jeff Simons ran 2.47. We know that he, and Scott DeFilippis, nice run there, 2.45 for second place. Uh, so, yeah, lost a little bit of time there on... Oh, God, how can you just answer the phone like this? On the female side of things, we had... Who was it, Bevan? Uh, the father-in-law, Ken. Ken, okay. Just I was just commenting on uh, Carrie Rest. Lester took out the race from Karen Theobald and Jen Arnett. First, uh, that's, is that the same? Je- Jenna Shaw was 11.13. Now, is that the same Jenna from uh, competitor... Magazine or triathlete magazine. Oh, do you know what I mean? Look at that. Yeah, it might Ke- be. Um, and we had Kim Lerbikmo in second in 11.23 and Julie Anderson in third in 11.30. I'm just going to go check out Jenna Shaw because that's what you can do on Athlinks. You can go around here and. Uh, she's based in New York, isn't she? Because she knows James the Wise one quite well. Yeah, this is person's from Del Mar in California, USA. Yeah, but it doesn't mean can't really tell. It? Picture of it. She's on, got a cycling helmet on and stuff like that. So if it is you, Jenna, or whoever Jenna. Is congratulations on being the first athletics finisher at uh, Challenge Penticton last year. See this, then you can start going through all Jenna's history, whether it's the right one or the wrong one. She had the Boulder Strike and Stroke and Stride. She did Ironman St George seventy point three. She did the Challenge Race last year. You can go through here and see she did Lake Placid eleven fifty seven, finishing fifth in her age group. You can go through, do your research. Athletics guys. Check it out. Get on it. And so if, you, if you're watching any of our Epic Camp coverage, you, know, you can see some of the names there. You can go on Athlinks and suss these dudes out and see if you're worthy for Epic Camp. I will have my Kona Camp coming up next year, 2015. It's um, getting about two-thirds full already. So if you want to get on that, the race does sell out. So check that out and pop us an email. Um, and also in 2016, if you want the next Epic Camp for Monty, we're going to France in July 2016. And it is going to be massively epic going from Marseille up to Geneva via all the classic climbs, including uh, Mont Ventoux, Alpe d'Huez, um, the Glibier, and that's going to be awesome. So check those out on epiccamp.com. Okay, Jumbo, while you were doing that, I've been watching Bear Attacks. Watch this. Watch this one here. This guy, look at this. This guy's up a tree. Wait a second. Look at this. There's a bear going He's gone up the tree option. Mm-hmm. And the bear's chasing him up the tree. Look at that. Oh. Look at that. I don't think the bear can get up. I think he's safe. But, boy, that's a scary moment, isn't it? Because the bear could probably start shaking up. Yeah. yeah. If you're at work right now and you're, and you're in, your, in your computer, jump on YouTube. Mm. Just tell work you're doing research on something and uh, do bear attacks. There's some pretty scary ones in there. Jokes aside, I am doing more bear, bear research. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a two-second job on uh, while we're producing the show. It is a, it is a rather serious issue and uh, and it's also around our food storage and all that sort of stuff. It's um, it's something we are oh, very of course, because the food could attract them. Mm. So aid stations and things no, like no, that. No, no, you know what? I'm sure you'd be fine, but jeepers, creepers, it could be scary if something like that happened. We're so protected in New Zealand. Oh, we really are. We're naive, aren't we? Uh, uh, on wildlife, things like that, we've got absolutely nothing, nothing. that can do anything to us. What could kill us in New Zealand? Um, a drunk driver. 
Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. it was me when I was a kid too. Yeah. So, it's so me. No, we've got nothing dangerous here. There's no sharks that can eat us. There's no. There's nothing that can really kill you. There's a, the odd random spider that sneaks through the things, but I don't think there's any. It's ones pretty that can rare. Actually... It's only if someone has like a, a, a rare allergic yeah. reaction. So we're pretty safe down here, but we're also so protected from all the other things in the world. New Zealand's like, a great country. We've got. We don't have a clue what it's like in no. India and Asia and stuff like that in terms no. of Life the way sweet. people live over there. It's all pretty protected. We don't get too many people blowing our heads off with guns no, and it's, like that. it's pretty so good really yeah no, we're pretty lucky stay yeah. away everybody else we like yeah, our country don't come here we, we like it just the way it is local people for local people mm. um, Jombo um, I'm going to put something on here I'm not quite sure what it's going to be it might be an interview about my book it might mm. be something from my fitness behaviour um, depends on if my book's out now but if not um, let's see it's a mystery job remember when you used to go to the fear and you get a what was it lucky a, dip lucky dip mm-hmm. it's a lucky dip of Bevan's content here nice. we go in today's show, I'm going to share with you um, three kind of maybe philosophies or ideas. Um, philosophies, <laughs> apart from philosophies, three ideas that I'm going to share with you. And uh, and I'm going to tell it in maybe three different stories and then kind of bring it all together at the end. So I thought I'd just start off with a little bit of a story um, from when I was a young man. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I... You know, I was a bit of a dropkick when I was younger. I've talked a lot about my my drug history, my alcohol history, uh, the fact that I was, you know, didn't pass school cert or didn't get any school course qualifications at first. Um, got a girl pregnant very young. Was probably quite an unethical person at that stage in my life. So, the picture I've painted about that stage in my life was, you know, it's pretty clear that I wasn't in a great place. It's funny. It's funny when I look back on that time. I don't see myself as a bad person. Like I, I think I was. I was intending well, but my behaviours, my actions were far from it. What's really interesting around that time is, you know, this, when I talk about that age, you know, I'm I'm 36 now, and around that age I was, this is probably somewhere between the age of like 16 through to 20, and it's a really interesting age for a lot of people, and, and I can only speak from my experience of life at that time. But I'm sure a lot of you will, will probably recognise and identify with the fact that this is a time in your life when you have a lot of other people around, a lot of social people around. Uh, there's there's the party people that you go to parties with, but there's also that, that big group of friends that you may have hung around with. And for myself, I had a big group of friends, probably around about 12 guys, who I continually pretty much spent most of my waking hours with, or any free time that I had with, I would be either with a few of those guys or on the weekend, we would spend our whole time together as a group of friends. You guys know how much I've talked about environments and how much environments were will have an influence on the way we act in our lives. And this was a real example of the environment, uh, how my environment at that time kind of kept me in the place. And like I was saying before, I don't think that any of my friends at that time were necessarily bad people. I think we were just maybe a little bit confused young men who, you know, had no real direction. But when we look at the behaviours and the understood morals of my group of friends, we didn't have huge high standards that we were trying to live by. We weren't ambitious young men who were trying to achieve massive academic goals and, and had ambitions of doing big things in this world. You know, we had, <laughs> if our ambitions were anything, it was, it was how, how messy could you get when you got drunk or or how stoned could you get or, you know, how many girls could you have sex with? It was, it was stuff that was as basic as that. And so 
while I was living in this place, there was no one who was ever really judging me based on my own behaviours and my peers around me. You know, we'd, we'd catch up on a Friday night and we'd buy a keg of beer and, you know, and, and then the drinking games would begin and often, you know, the, the, the druggies, of not all of us were druggies, but the druggies of the group would kind of start to get together and, you know, and, and, and these would be behaviours that we continuously did for, you know, a certain, certain period of time. I'm going to share with you one night in particular that, you know, it's often when you think about the transition periods of your life, there's often some key moments for you. And for me, there were probably three key moments for me that really kind of identify with as and I need to change in my life. And one night I'd been out drinking with my friends, my big group of friends, and, and again, they didn't have this high moral kind of standards that we were trying to maintain. You know, we, we all kind of agreed subconsciously that, you know, we were just a bunch of guys having a good time. And there were no real rules around that. But one night I went out with my friends and we went out drinking. And when I was drinker, I was I always was a hopeless drinker. Uh, my nickname was Sleepy because when I drank, I would basically fall asleep half the time, you know, within a couple of hours. And I was a guy who often had no eyebrows or had, you know, photos of me with funny, you know, rude words written on my face and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, like I wasn't a very good drinker. And one night me and my friends went into town and to be honest, I was also a bit of a sleaze at that time. I kind of hit on anything that moved when it came to females. And one night I went into town with my mates and I got so drunk and I couldn't really remember what I did, which was quite a common thing for myself and probably for a lot of my peers at that time. And so I went into town and I couldn't really remember what I did. But the next day where all my friends were sitting around and we're sitting around, you know, just kind of telling the stories the next night and maybe having some beers in the afternoon. And one of my good friends, a guy called Johnny Westbury, he turned around to me and in front of the whole group he said to me, Do you know what, Bevan? You're a real embarrassment when you get drunk. I say that again. He goes, Bevan, you're a real embarrassment when you get drunk. Now that hit me really, really hard. Like I remember it just hit me like a... a ton of bricks just coming down on me in that moment because here was this group of friends of mine who you know didn't have high standards for ourselves and didn't really judge each other based on that and even though we probably the standards we didn't have were still pretty low I had exceeded what was socially acceptable for our group what had happened was that uh, I basically tried to hit on a girl and she wasn't interested and I, I followed her into the toilet at some bar or something. I, I don't really know because I can't remember, but something like that had happened. And uh, and he he was embarrassed to be my friend at that time. And then when he brought it up, it made me, it was one of those moments where you see yourself for what you really are. And it was one of those moments when I look back on what made me transition away from a life where you know, I was all those bad things into a life where I had ambition and aimed for big things and managed to achieve some things. Well, that moment, that moment of being him being ashamed of me made me realise it. And it made me realise a key thing around the way I worked in my life at that moment in time. And I suppose this is going to be the first point that I'm going to bring up in today's show, is what I'm going to call your excess point. The point where even you go beyond what you think is good enough, or you or your peers go beyond what you feel is good enough. 
So back in those days, for me to get drunk and, you know, to the point where I was in excess, maybe sleeping, you know, they just thought it was good fun. But then when I overstepped the mark where I was, you know, following a girl into the toilet, even though she had rejected me, I had overstepped my social marks of my friends. I'd gone to an excess point that was beyond what we believed as a group was good or, or fear or, you know, within our acceptable limits. And I think that's something we all need to start to learn within ourselves is what are your excess points? And when I think about this, when I sat down to think about today's show, I thought to myself, well, there's probably two ways we need to think about excess points. There's the extreme case. There's that time when you have I often think that when you think about when people make dramatic change in their lives, you know, it might be the person who suddenly loses a lot of weight, it might be the person who overnight decides to give up alcohol, it might be the person who, um, you know, suddenly wants to shift their career and starts to educate themselves, that often what's actually driven that change is they've gone past an excess point which even they are unhappy with. You know, and for me, it was that that moment where my friend said he was embarrassed of me. I like until that moment in my life, I lived in excess. When I got drunk, I was how drunk could I get? When when I got stoned, it was how stoned could I get? You know, I lived in excess, but in that moment, I even exceeded that. And when you look at people, when you know, if you think about yourself, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now can see those moments in your life where you went to an excess point that made you realize you need to change. And sometimes when people get to that point, it's almost like they find a spark of motivation that suddenly, you know, they can just turn their life around because they realize they don't want to go to that place anymore. And that and a couple other experiences I had around that very short time period made me go to that place. And then the other type of excess point I'd probably want to bring up in this early part of today's show is the idea of, an excess point that is further than what you would normally want to go, but not quite far off to that I must change point of your excess point. It's the person who probably as a joke often says, I'm never going to drink again. It's the person who, when they eat too much, they do it often. It's not that they just occasionally eat too much. It's just, you know, they eat themselves to feeling sick often. And when they do that, they, they have that sense of disappointment in themselves and they know they have gone too far. So in some ways, going to the lowest low, going to the I must change excess point, sometimes is a better thing because, if again, if we look at it drives you towards motivation, towards a, a different path, sometimes that may even be a better thing than being in that place where your excess point isn't so bad but still bad enough but you continue kind of going back to that place. Now, when we think about the damage of the excess point, it's obviously a pretty massive place. You know, let's look at the food situation. If you are someone who, again, eats too much to pass your excess point often, let's say that, you know, you're someone who, you know, does the whole packet of chips, biscuits, and bottle of Coke, you know, you know, two or three times a week, and, you know, that's after having a dinner or maybe even a dessert. Now, that excess point comes at a massive health cost to your physical and mental well-being. If you're eating that much food, it's going to cost you in weight. 
If you're eating that much food, I imagine there's a massive and esteem, esteem costs for you to be in that place. I imagine you probably beat yourself up afterwards, which has many flow-on effects like inaction and better behaviours, um, staying on a bad path, uh, looking at yourself in a bad light, and so on. So in some ways, sometimes you know, getting to the most extreme of your excess points can be a good thing if it does motivate you for change. I'm not saying I think it's a good strategy to go towards that, but I'm just saying you do see it sometimes in people where they have that massive change. So to wrap up this first segment of the show, the, you know, the whole idea of where are your excess points? When you think about your life right now, and you look at those areas within yourself that you know you kind of struggle with, where are your excess points? Do you sometimes go past that I must change and still not change? Like, fortunately for me, those three experiences I had made me want to change. But maybe for you, you don't. Maybe you just keep going back to it, and over time you become more and more below what you think you should be. Or maybe you're someone who's in that kind of excess point where it's it's bad, but it's not your most extreme case. You know, where you are eating too much too often in a way that's still taking you further and further away from a healthy place, both mentally and physically for you. So that's the first message I want to get out of today's show is excess point. At the end of the show, I'm going to kind of bring this all together. So, well, hopefully I will. And hopefully it all kind of comes together in a magical way. Second thing I want to talk about is something I find really, really interesting. And uh, I'm just taking my top off because it's quite warm. Um, I find this really interesting because it's interesting when you look at people, and I'm going to talk a little bit about body image here and, and probably more just size, you know, body weight. And one thing I've always found really fascinating over my years in my industry is that there seems to be, it seems to be that people generally stay within a weight range, once they get to a certain age at least, that they generally, and I know this is a generalization, but they generally kind of stay within a certain weight range, you know, all the time. You might get the person who suddenly loses a lot of weight. They might get a diet and, and you know, they lose a lot of weight and that has a massive effect and, you you know, where you notice a change in a very short period of time and, and you almost have to comment. And then you might get that other person who, you know, suddenly puts on a huge amount of weight in a very short period of time and, and you kind of wonder is, you know, is big stuff happening in their life right now that they can't handle and, you know, is the food a comfort thing and, and things like that. But then when you think about most other people in your life, they generally stay around the same weight range. Now, some people, you know, who are in a healthy place and, and are quite content with their, their images um, in a way that's, you know, that, that they're sitting the right body weight, you know, they, they might kind of, the range of weight may kind of go a little bit, but they're kind of same, same rate, a similar rate. But there are people out there who are overweight but still say within the same range. Let's think about this. Let's think about someone who, let's say it's a man who sits around 100 kg and, 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 and in their ideal weight is somewhere between 80 and 85 kg. And they sit on that 100 kg weight. So they're carrying a bit too much weight around and, you know, it's not ideal and, you know, but that's where they are. What I find really interesting about a lot of people in that situation is it's not that they ever get to 120 kg. 
It's not that you ever see them blowing out massively. They're overweight. But they seem to stay within a, a, a similar range. So, that, you know, might, they might sit somewhere between maybe 95 to 105 kgs. And why is it these people are able to maintain this certain level of outgoing extremely to the extreme level in an unhealthy way, so where they aren't ending up being 140 and 130 kg, why is it that they're able to stay within a range, which is still a little bit unhealthy, but they seem to have to manage that level? And this is what I want to introduce as my second point in today's show, is what I'm going to call your acceptable level. What is your acceptable level that you can sit in that even though maybe sometimes it's not the healthiest level, but even when you're there, you even have a standard that you want to maintain? So the classic example of, if we think of this situation here, is um, the man who, you know, if we go back to my man who's 100kg and maybe 15kg overweight, and, uh, you know, if we look at the holiday season, if we look at the Christmas season, especially in places like New Zealand where we have our big summer break over that season, people will take time off work and they may take three three to four weeks off work. And in that time, a lot of people will do less exercise and the diet kind of goes out the back door. So over that period of time, people tend to put on weight. And and, and a joke I have when I'm kind of in, when I'm teaching classes before that period of time is I often say, you know, go away, guys, have a holiday. And you know, because this is the biggest time for my fitness industry, you know, for my fitness, my my kind of profession. Because uh, you know, these people put on weight, they're going to come back in the new year, and they're going to want to sharpen up. And uh, you know, and it's often the case that gyms sell the most. Uh, memberships at that time, you know, PTs probably do booming business in that kind of January, February month in countries like New Zealand where it's summer. And what I find really interesting about the guy who's 100kg is he'll put on some weight over Christmas and he might go up to that 105kg, but then even he doesn't want to go above that level. And so he'll change his behaviours and he'll shift them to a place which takes him back to his acceptable level. Where he goes, okay, well, you know what, I don't want to be 105kg or I don't want to blow out, so I'm going to really sharpen up. And he'll sharpen up and he'll do all the things he needs to do to lose 5kg. And he'll get back to 100kg and then he's back in his acceptable level. Now what happens in that moment? This person knew how to get to lose the weight. They put on the weight over the Christmas season. They'd eaten too much, maybe not done much exercise. They get back to their daily routine. They realize, you know what? This is a little bit, I'm not happy with where I am with my weight. So I'm going to shift my behaviors. And they'll shift their behaviors for a certain period of time till they get back down to 100 kg. Now, we now know that this person knows how to lose weight. We now know that they know that you know, maybe drink a little bit less, eat a little bit less, do a little bit of exercise, and I'm going to lose that, you know, that, that 5kg I put on over Christmas. And then they get to their acceptable level, and they kind of go, well, you know what, this is okay, I can sit in this place. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't be unhappy with where they are, I'm not saying you shouldn't be content with where you are, but I find this place really interesting. Because when you have acceptable levels, there's acceptable behaviours that go alongside that, that keep you in maybe an unhealthy place. So the guy, again, who's now 100kg, he's lost his 5kg, you know, over Christmas he probably drunk too much, ate too much, and then he goes back to his everyday routine, he sharpens up on behaviours, gets to his acceptable level, which is back at 100kg, 
and suddenly he allows certain behaviors to come in. Now, that may be, let's look at alcohol. Let's say that, for example, he's the kind of person who likes to have a couple glasses of wine at night. And when he has those, when he's trying to lose weight, he'll drop that. So when he got back from Christmas, he's going, no, I'm not going to have two glasses of wine every night. I'm just going to have one glass of wine every couple nights as a way to, to lose some weight. And then when he gets back to his acceptable level, he has acceptable behaviors that sit around that, that keep him in that place. It's the glass of wine. It's it's having too much junk food or, or going to fast food places, you know, two or three times a week. Whereas when you're just trying to lose weight, maybe you're only going to fast food every couple of weeks. It's, you know, snacking at night. It's, he's got to a place in his life where maybe he's just accepted this is the way he's going to be forever. But even then he has standards around that. And with that acceptable place, there's acceptable behaviors that come alongside that. Think about yourself. Think about the areas where you may struggle. Now, some people may be listening to this and don't struggle at all, and, and if that's the case, great work. But I imagine a lot of you people listening to this right now probably have areas where, you know, there's a bit of an internal battle. It might be food, it might be exercise, it might be um, laziness, you know, procrastination, um, you know, you know those, you know, sitting in front of the TV all weekend, those types of things. Um, it may be alcohol. What are your acceptable levels? And are your acceptable levels keeping you unhealthy? That's what I really want you to think about. The more you can identify what are my acceptable levels that keep me in a place where I'm dissatisfied in this area, the more I can look to change. So if you know it's alcohol, my acceptable levels tell me that I'm allowed to have two glasses of wine every night and uh, and maybe get drunk once a weekend and occasionally I'll you know, have a, you know, a real, real blowout where I have like a big weekend where I might get drunk two or three times. Now that's that's what you've determined that because you know this is where I'm willing to stay within myself. These are behaviours I'm willing to accept. Now, if I take a step back now and I look at my excess points for the person in that situation, if they were to go out and get drunk, you know, three times a week, they would be shifting more towards their excess point. So you kind of see how this is all coming together now. So if we're going to learn where our excess points are in certain areas, the first thing we want to avoid is going close to those then we can start to learn around where are my acceptable levels that are keeping me unhealthy in this area and again if I'm using the alcohol example I'm then going well my if I can understand my acceptable level that I'm currently sitting in say that I'm out two glasses of wine every night get drunk every weekend one night and maybe occasionally have a blowout you can look at the costs of those decisions on your health so we have your excess points, and then we have my acceptable level within myself, and what behaviours come alongside that acceptable level that keep me in an unhealthy place in the areas where I struggle. The last thing I want to talk about is um, how do we move forward from this place? And over Christmas time, I got given a book, uh, Mike Tyson's book. Uh, I, I, I love camping. We go camping with a really good group of friends. Uh, and we go every year, we've got, we've got this kind of, I think I talked about this before the show, but we go camping with this great bunch of friends and we have heaps of laughs and, and all the rest of it. And, um, but the other thing I love about camping is it's the one time of the year where I can just read like like you wouldn't believe it. And 
I'm, you guys know I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and so I'm always listening to audiobooks. But at uh, camping time of the year, I'll often just read some other stuff as well. And, you know, I can sit down and get like two or three hours reading in, which is a real treat for me because I tend to only be able to read for like half an hour a night. Um, but so I got given Mike Tyson's book for Christmas. And uh, Mike Tyson's book is a very, well, his story is a very fascinating story. It's, it's a story of a very broken person who got given a lot of power and influence and didn't have the skills, support, um, character to be able to handle this way in a really positive way. And it's one of those books where it's a bit of a broken record because throughout the whole story, there's just recurring things that happen over and over again. And and even at the end of the book, there's a claim to redemption. And, And, you know, I hope the guy has had redemption because... You know, his head, inside his head, I think, is a really big battle. Um, but, you know, after reading a book where it's just a recurring kind of theme happening over and over again, you do wonder if really the redemption is possible. But, you know, again, who knows? And, and I don't know Mike Tyson, so I can't really judge. And, and again, I hope he has found that place he talked about finding in the book. But one thing he talked about, and, and when the first, Mike Tyson had issues, big issues of drugs, big issues with... Um, violence, big issues with alcohol, and also sexual um, control. The guy would pretty much just sleep with anything, uh, and and in a way where he just had no control over that. And in the book, in the last part of the book, where he's talking about how he's found redemption, he talked about a counsellor, and he talked about how, you know, some of the strategies that they use to help him move forward. And in the era, you know, he's married, he's got children, and uh, and I think he's probably someone who's battled to be faithful with his partner for his whole, you know, with partners throughout his whole life. And um, and one thing they his counselor him had worked towards was what they call new baseline behaviours. What are my baseline behaviours that keep me in a much safer place around healthy behaviours before my healthy behaviours for my life? So if we think of Mike Tyson, you know, like. A guy in his position does get a lot of women who throw themselves at him. You know, like, it's it's hard for us to know what that life is like. And if you're someone who has no control over the sexual side of yourself, if you're having a woman throwing yourself at you, that I imagine it's a pretty challenging thing to overcome if you're not that strong. And uh, Mike Tyson talks about how one of his baseline behaviours is to not look at a woman who he knows is coming on to him, to look not look at him, almost turn his attention away and almost maybe even tell her, um, you know, this is a dangerous situation for me. I, I I can't be in this place. Now, don't don't quote me on that. That's you know, that's me kind of wrapping up what, what I remember from the book. But it, that's kind of his strategy around how to improve on those areas. And that's what I want us to think about in today's show. Is if we take two steps back, first of all, we have our excess points, the place that we know we're not happy to go to and comes at a massive cost for our mental and physical health. The next thing we have is what we call our acceptable levels, the place where we're uncomfortable with being unhealthy and what are those behaviours that sit alongside that place. And I think it's really important you spend some time learning what they are, really identifying, you know what it is, two glasses of wine a night and getting drunk every weekend. You know what it is, it is eating this much food, it is having fast food five times a week. The, the more clarity you can get to understand your acceptable levels that keep you in, unhealthy, in an unhealthy place in those areas, the more you can then set new baseline behaviours. 
So baseline behaviors, what does that mean? So what we are doing there is we're trying to shift our acceptable levels to a new level with new baseline behaviors. So we'll go back to my alcohol example. You know, you're, you're the, the, the guy who's 100 kg overweight and, you know, you drink two glasses of wine every night and you do the, the get drunk every weekend. And that's your current acceptable level. Where is a new baseline behavior that you feel that you could maintain and make you successful in being a healthier version of yourself? So you may look at that question. You may go to yourself, okay, well... I know that having two glasses of wine every night comes at a weight cost for me. Actually, funny, I was talking to a girl at the gym this morning, quite topical, and uh, she, she said that you know she was a big drinker, and uh, she gave up drinking two weeks ago, for she's doing like a 12-week thing, like a black and white challenge, and uh, she gave up drinking two weeks ago, and she's lost 7 kgs just by not drinking. So, you know, for those of you who do drink a lot and want to lose some weight, it's definitely an easy way to kind of reduce, you know, some of that, the calories that come into your body. But anyway, going back to this situation, he's at, he's at, he's at, goes two glasses, he goes, oh, you know what, I'm going to have one glass of wine every second night and I'm allowed to only get drunk twice a month. Now, that's not, that's not a black and white, that's not I'm giving up drinking, but it's shifting his behaviours from a place where he stays in an unhealthy, acceptable place. So suddenly from having, you know, if, you know, if you're going to go two glasses of wine a night, well, there's at least 10, but probably, you know, 12 glasses of wine and then your big night once a week. You know, suddenly you go from that to maybe having, you know, four glasses of wine a week and uh, getting drunk every couple of weeks. We can see the improvement of those behaviours and the effect they are going to have on your health. And that's what we want to think about when we think about shifting our acceptable levels and think about setting up new baseline behaviours that I'm trying to aim for. If this person were to do this, we can pretty much guarantee and if they were able to stay and set new baseline behaviours, and not just you know for a certain period of time, but almost like this is the way I'm going to live my life from this moment forward, I, do you think they'd lose some weight? Do you think they'd be a healthier version of themselves? I'm pretty sure we can all agree that, that you know that they will be a much healthier version of themselves. Now, what I would find interesting then is, does their acceptable level shift within themselves? So if it's the guy who's 100 kg and he starts to reduce alcohol levels to a place where it's you know a third of what he was doing in the past, a third to a half, does he lose that you know 7 kg that this girl was talking to me about and suddenly starts to sit around early 90s? And that's the level he becomes comfortable at. And then when he's around that early 90s, do you think that, you know, if he were to put on 5kg again, he'd go, oh, I don't like being this much weight. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, you know, this is a concept I've kind of just come up for today's show, but I'm kind of thinking that that would be the case. That if you improve your baseline behaviours, your acceptable levels will improve over time, and then that will be the way you look at yourself and the way you accept that you should be in your life. I'm going to give you some tips on the, on the baseline behaviours because I think there's some really important things we need to address here. First of all, when we think about baseline behaviours, if you've gone, you know, moved away from certain unhealthy behaviours and you're, you know, improving on those behaviours, you need to identify why you use those behaviours in the first place. With the alcohol example, the one you often hear from people who drink a lot of wine at night is they use it as a way to relax. You know, I like to have two glasses of wine. It's been a big day at work. I just feel I want to relax. I want to unwind and just kind of have a relaxing time, you know, 
when I say, I deserve it, I got home from work. Now, if you can figure out that that's why you are using that vice, then you can start to put strategies in place to fulfill the real reason you were doing that. Okay, I use wine to relax. I'm changing my baseline behaviors from two glasses of white to uh, two glasses a night to one to every second night. So on the night I'm not drinking, I need to have a strategy that's a healthy strategy that will help me relax. What are the options I have? So you may look in, you may go, I might go for a walk. I might just, when I get home, lie down. I might um, call a friend and have a good conversation with them. I might put some cool music on. I might do my gardening. You know, it's such an individual answer. And then on top of that, then you go, how do I make sure I set up those behaviors before I'm even in that moment? So, okay, I know that when I get home, I like to put on some good music and unwind and lie down for 10 minutes. So before I go to work in the morning, I'm going to have that music ready. I'm going to have a nice pillow on the couch. And when I walk in the door, I'm just going to put on the music, push play and lie down for 10 minutes. If you think about that, you can see it'll be much easier to stay in your new baseline behaviors and stay away from your old acceptable levels. A classic example of this is the person who comfort eats when they are lacking in esteem or they're going through a hard moment in their life. And, you know, something big happens or something, you know, where you doubt yourself or you feel you've let yourself down or something like that. And what do you do? You go to food for comfort. So if you're trying to shift your baseline behaviors or your acceptable levels and create new baseline behaviors, then in this situation, you you know, you can you can no longer go to having a whole packet of biscuits, a bag of chips and fizzy drink at nighttime. You're trying to shift away from that. You might say, I can have two biscuits um, every night as a treat after, after I've eaten my dinner. That's a new baseline behavior that's a much healthier behavior, but you don't want to go to that extreme place or maybe even your excess point. But you know when you when you stress or when you're feeling that you're lacking in esteem, comfort eating is the way you deal with this situation. So when you move towards your new baseline behaviors, what you want to think about is, well, okay, if I know I'm moving towards this and I know that sometimes when I feel um, I'm lacking esteem, I need comfort. What are some other ways that I can deal with this emotion that are healthier options for me to implement? It might be that you talk with your partner. It might be you ring your best friend. It might be some exercise. It might be reflective writing. It might be, you know, again, it's such a personal thing. But if you can identify great healthy ways for you to deal with when you need comfort, and again, if you can put them in place before you actually need them, then that comfort food eating will probably be less of a battle when you experience in those times. Some other things to think about as well is think about how you shifting your baseline behaviors will affect those people around you and how they can help you be and support you in achieving those, you know, the shift in your behaviors. So if we think about when you're in a situation with a partner, let's say your partner does, you know, has two glasses of wine with you every night after work as well, and, and they don't want to change. Now that's a really hard situation because you probably won't feel supported by them. But what you need to think about is what do I need to communicate to them and how can I help them get on my side to be successful in doing this? If you go up to your partner and say, look, babe, I feel I'm unhealthy in this area. I'm trying to make some shifts in my behavior 
and uh, here's what I'm doing, and you could show them all, you know, what you've, the work you've set up, and here's how I need you to support me. I don't have any problem with you doing your glasses of wine, that's all good, or if you want to jump on board with me, great, but what I need from you is maybe, you know, in this first period, can you not drink the wine when I'm around? Can you maybe have a couple of glasses of wine before I get home, or um, do it later on at night? Or can you please make sure you never offer me the wine? And while you don't offer me the wine, you help me do the thing that helps me to relax. By doing this, you're putting the cards in your favour. You're stacking the deck to give yourself more chance of being successful. And that's what we want to think about in regards to that stuff. How are the people around you going to help you do that as well? So you kind of, hopefully you understand where I've come from with today's show. Ultimately, we all have excess points, and, and over time, we're trying to shift those excess points. You know, as funny as I, as I was doing today's show, and as I was just kind of talking to you guys now, I was thinking about myself. I used to I used to have this habit years ago where I would buy a big bag of Biggins, which is like a you know two hundred gram bag of chips and uh, a block of chocolate and a bottle of Coke, and you know, and this is when I was doing Ironman, so I could burn those calories and it wasn't such an unhealthy thing to do and that was one of those I've gone too far excess points but it wasn't you know like the point where I was my friend was embarrassed me you know I must change excess point and I, and I look at where I am with my excess points right now and you know occasionally I'll drink a little bit too much diet coke that's probably my excess point now so over the years and I've probably done this subconsciously but my excess point has got so much smaller that it's not really even a problem now so we, you know, think about that for yourself. Where are your excess points? How often do you go to that place where actually you know you've gone too far? And then how often do you go to that place which is too far but you keep going back to it? How can you set up behaviours and strategies to make yourself stay away from that place? Because the cost is absolutely massive. Not just for your physical self but also for your mental self. Then really think about what are my acceptable levels. Maybe you are someone who's overweight. Or maybe you are someone who sits on the couch too long. Or maybe you are someone who drinks too much. Maybe you are someone who looks in the mirror and deep down you kind of know you're a little bit dissatisfied with where you sit. But at the same time, you've been in that place for a long time so you're almost accepting of it. Then look deeper to the behaviours that come alongside that. The acceptable behaviours that actually keep you in that place. Then think about... Okay, well, if I'm going to shift these behaviors, what are new baseline behaviors I want to create for myself that are going to take me to a healthier place and will shift the acceptable way I look at myself? How do I replace what I'm taking away? You know, how do I make sure I'm still relaxed when I'm drinking? How do I make sure I have comfort when I'm stressed? And how do I get the people around me to be successful in doing this? If you continually think about this process and continually work at it, you'll always be shifting forward, like my example of my chips, coke and chocolate. You'll be continually shifting forward to a place where you'll be living in healthier behaviours more often in your everyday life. And when you live in healthier behaviours more often in your everyday life, you become healthier. So if you're willing to do this work, if you're willing to think about this stuff, and you're willing to consistently chip away at it and shift the way you see yourselves in a way into a healthy person, there's a much higher chance you're going to be that best version of yourself.
Hopefully I gave you some really good content there. I'm sure you would have. I'll be uh, listening eagerly on my way home from Canada. That's right. Uh, Jumbo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Yep, uh, athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And Coffees of Hawaii. Jumbo, Coffees of Hawaii is amazing. We haven't done the last nicknames, so I need to pull them off now. Okay, go for it. Uh, as long as I can get this file open, I need to be out of here in 10 minutes. That's plenty of time. Uh, Jumbo... What's your goss? My goss, hopefully on next week's show you'll be hearing from a few of the Epic Campers. Um, the plan is to get uh, Melina and Dave Dwan on for a quick interview before we actually start the camp. We've also got Douglas Scott, who I will, he's a reluctant interviewee. Oh, oh he's hard work, <laughs> Douglas. Is. He's a great interview. Yeah. But he's, like every time on Epic Camp, I have to ask him a hundred times. Yeah. And, and he's a really, he's a really interesting character, isn't he? So he's, yeah. I love to interview him. But We've had him on the show. He's a heart surgeon. Um, and then we'll have a whole bunch of other people. You've heard you know, so much from Gary Fegan being a regular contributor to the show. Um, so we'll no doubt catch up with him. At oh, some the constant stage. deliverer. Mm-hmm. We don't get as much from him nowadays. Sharpen up, Gary. Yeah. And it's called having kids. And oh, who cares? Priorities. And we've got a few other people, you know, listeners of the show that we will endeavour to get on. You need to talk for a little bit more. Okay. What's your flying process? Flying process? Well, Dave, it's actually interesting. I had a couple of text messages come through as the show. Dave Dwan sort of texted me what time we're going to be at the airport next Friday. I said, well, look, we're getting there early because we've got two choro clubs to hit. We've got to hit Christchurch, let that I'm absorb into the system, and then go up to Auckland. Got a three-hour layover. You just take Dave into you. I do. Oh, take a friend trip. Perks, yeah. yeah. Got, got how many days? We've got th- three or four days in Vancouver before we start, and I want to try if I can. It looks like a really cool climb to go up Cypress Bowl, which is a, a climb directly out of um, Vancouver. When you get up the top, and you've got this beautiful view of the city, oh, Vancouver really? looks like a sensational city. Just trees everywhere and water, you know, all around. Just looks brilliant. Well, people do say Canada's like one of the best places to go in the world, isn't mm. it? You know, like it's pretty beautiful, and apparently the people are pretty amazing. So. I think I think you'll be fine, John. I think we will. You still got, need to got, keep to look, got to look out for some logging trucks on the roads. Apparently, they're pretty uh, pretty full on. Go past pretty quickly. Now, are, the, are you going on routes where cyclists normally go? Mm. Mm. Got big shoulders and stuff, but it's probably no different to, to riding our. Main yeah, you've got big shoulders. I thought yeah. you've been working out. Yeah, so. Okay, John. So the nicknames have come up, and these are the last of the people who have. So this is the end of the people who donated to the book or bought the book, and I uh, went into the draw to win the trip. And I uh, just must say once again, thank you very much for that, because John and I are going to Kona this year to do some great content for you guys. So that's all good. First of all, um, now we did the mower, didn't we? Tim the gardener, because yeah, 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 and, and he loved it. He yeah. sent through an email. I was like, I loved it. Did we do Tim the Torpedo Josephs, he, aka the Highlander? Did Don't you? Know. I think you would have done that one. Far lap we did, didn't we? Yeah, I did that. Did yep. the beer? Did the bullet? Did mm-hmm. Midwest racer? Yep. Did we do Marissa? Yep. Did we do Karina? Oh no, I think we've done it. What's that? Formula One, Mister Moves, the Bard. Yeah, we've done all those. Oh, yeah, have you, but have you copied and pasted the extra ones that aren't on yeah, that yeah, list? Yeah, no, we've done everyone now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's everyone done. Oh, there Great, that was, that was worth waiting for. Well, I don't want to miss someone. <laughs> you had to check it. You, you, know, you don't want to, you know, these people have got to live it up. Hey, Jombo, um, any other goss? That's it. When do you get back? Get back on about uh, September 3rd, I think, 2nd or 3rd. I'm sure Belinda loves that you're going away for three she does. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> She, she genuinely lo- does. She loves it. She's like, oh, I just did look after the kids all by myself. No, she actually does. She's losing her third child, as she puts it. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're just a burden. You don't contribute. <laughs> That's just... the way it seems to sound most of the time. Although she is your assistant. She needs to sharpen up. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> your little assistant this what you call it. Assistant. Yeah, you need to get that badge. John Bo, my goss. Yes, Bevan. First live performance last night. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Are we talking it was actually last night or it was two, last two, night two, two weeks ago? Wow, for you guys listening it was a week, it was eight days ago. Yeah. But for you and I, yeah. in our world, yeah. last night. Did you crumble like the people on my kitchen rules under the pressure? No, I didn't actually. I have to say, I love being nervous in life. Like I really do because I always think if you're being nervous, you're doing things that are pushing you and challenging you. And, and shit, we went to this bar and there's 20 people there. So it's, you know, like, and it's everyone who's basically going to be performing that night. Yeah. And the standard, luckily I turned up the standard, the, the first person was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the kind of, Guy in his maybe late 20s, wearing, you know, kind of rockish kind of clothes, but not too rocky. Mm. So just jeans, kind of a T-shirt with an under T-shirt underneath, kind of longish hair, but not, you know, not 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 kind of... Bogany? No, not bogany, just kind yeah. of, you know, pulls up the guitar and I thought, oh, this guy looks like he's, you know, looks like a kind of traditional kind of musician. Gets up and I think, oh, well, he looks interesting. Gets up and he goes, I'm going to sing Toxic by Britney Spears. He's got his guitar on <laughs> okay, this could be an interesting take on Britney Spears. After that, I knew I was going to be fired, John. <laughs> the standard was not set very high very early on. So it was worse than karaoke. He was. But yeah. then, because you just go along and you put your name on the board. Right. But what tended to happen was that the people who went early would tended to be not so good. Mm-hmm. And then as the night progressed, they got better. Right. And so by the time we got to us, the people before us were actually two before us the two bands before us were actually quite good and then it was our turn I have to admit I was pretty nervous mm-hmm. and because uh, it's funny when you do an inch, you know like when we get nervous it's particularly our sport you know you start your race and you're going mm-hmm. whereas when you're playing music you're doing a skill mm-hmm. so you're actually doing a, you know you have to be make sure your fingers are going in the right mm-hmm. place and all the rest of it so you know you're, you're quite a bit shaky so I was a bit sweaty, you know, so, sweaty palms yeah got my, got my nerves got, got set up and, and you know and you know, you're thinking, okay, what's the next part of the song and all the rest of it? But we got it right, and I didn't cock up at all. Okay. Admittedly, I don't think I was the most interesting performer to look at because right. I pretty much had my head down the whole time. Yeah. So I definitely need to work on my performance, but as in doing my job in the band. But you're the keyboard man. I mean, the, the front person's your singer and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and Dave, he did a really good job. Mm. He was good, yep. And then uh, Luke's, he's our drummer, he did a good job as well. But yeah, no, we as our first time up, I'll give, my, I'll give us a B. B. You know, for a first time up, I'd B give us an B A. Plus, B plus? Yeah, for a first time up, I'd give us an A. But as in where we need to be, probably a C. Right. But for where we are right now. But I have to admit, <clears throat> I loved it. Good. Good to be nervous. Good to be nervous in life, good. guys. It's really good. good. I'll, so I'll be um, there for the next one. When's the next one coming up? Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next week. O2, isn't that the place where everybody plays? O2? O2 Arena. Yeah. But don't they just change the name based on sponsor? Probably. Where is the O2? Is sure it London? London, yeah. Yeah. Where's Wembley? London. Is it? I think so. I don't know much about England. Yeah. I went there once. I have to say, I went to England once. London. I spent, my, I've been to Europe seven or eight times. I've only been to England once, London one day. Mm. Love the place. Mm. I reckon London, the city of London, is maybe the best city in the world. Good. Now, admittedly, I did see it the, the week after the Olympics had finished. Right. So they were probably on their best performance. Yeah. But I seriously just thought it was amazing because... Like people love Paris. Do you love Paris? Paris, great. Love Paris, mm. but Paris hasn't moved forward. Paris mm. is very much of its time, and it mm. stayed in the same place. Love New York. New York's awesome, mm. but New York's very modern. Mm. Whereas London had the, the perfect mix. Yeah, a really mm. beautiful mix of both, and it, and it seemed to be able to merge those together in a way that was, John. 
It was just special. You go to the UK, you need somewhere to sleep. He's just crazy. Basically, yeah, I'm coming over next week for my concert. So, yeah. can someone hook a, hook a brother up? We've got to break into Wembley Stadium. So, that's, that's pretty much this week's show, guys. We are back in the studio in a few weeks, but we'll be putting up some content over next week because John's going to create a lot of content on Epic Camp. Massive. Massive, massive amount. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.